0: Everybody tired? Say amen. All right, just me, okay? (laughs) Just kidding, all right. Take your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number nine. I pray that you've had a good day thus far. I've been looking forward, like I said this morning, been looking forward to being back with you, and I appreciate you being here, staying around for the afternoon service. And some of you may have left and come back, and I appreciate that. From the depths of our heart, you said, "Brother Matthew, why you say that?" Because y'all knew I was preaching, and y'all still came back. So (laughs) I appreciate that. My wife's aunts are here this morning or this afternoon. They slipped in on us, and they knew I was preaching, and they still drove an hour to get here. So I'm like, makes me feel even better. I think they came to see her and the grand and the kids, though they didn't come to hear me preach. All right, but Matthew chapter number nine. I appreciate the opportunity to be back in God's house with you. I want to read kind of a familiar passage of scripture. And I'll tell you like Elizabeth Taylor told her fifth husband, I'll not keep you long this afternoon, okay? Um, We may be out by three (laughs) o'clock, all right? I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. I'm still looking to see him back through there because pastor told me he might be here. Um, He said he might be here in jeans and a t-shirt. And if he does, uh, I may call, I may uh, have some words that i'll call him that i wouldn't call him from the pulpit <laughs> i'm just kidding all right i'm glad we can laugh and cut up and have a good time amen matthew chapter number nine if you find your place you're willing and able to stand in reverence to the reading of the word of god matthew chapter number nine verse number 35 is where we'll begin reading matthew chapter number nine look with me at verse number 35 The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Our Heavenly fathers, we come to your presence to pray. I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege, the opportunity you give me to stand and to preach your word this evening. Lord, I pray that you would touch and you would bless. And Lord, you would help me not to do or say anything that would grieve or quench your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do and say everything that you want said and done for your honor and your glory. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to leave here the same way that we came in. Lord, you'd help us to leave here changed or challenged by the word of God and changed by the spirit of God. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing here in Matthew chapter number nine. Very familiar passage of scripture and we could all probably quote verse number 37 and verse number 38, especially if you've been in church any length of time at all, heard any kind of preaching at all, you could probably uh, quote those two verses, but I want to just take just a few moments and just look at this passage of scripture and just pull four or five, maybe six things out of this passage of scripture and just give you a simple thought this evening. I want to ask a question this afternoon, who will go? Or maybe the question would be better asked, will you go? Because see, all around this world, here in New England, let's just take New England, let's narrow it down to these six states. There's 15 million people, 440-something Baptist churches. While I'm not saying that Baptists are the only ones going, I I do believe that we line up closest to the Bible. That's the reason why I'm a Baptist. If I felt there was anybody else that lined up closer, that's what I'd be and I'm not saying that Baptists are the only ones going to heaven but I am saying this most of New England identifies as Catholics the younger ones are identifying as nuns in other words are let me spell it N-O-N-E-S they don't have a religion they don't deny there's a God they just don't care and the question that I would ask is this Where will you go? If this country, if these last year and a half hasn't shown anything, it's shown the devastation and the depravity of this country. And this country, while it was founded on Christian principles and it was founded on God and the Bible, is no longer, and President Obama had it right, America is no longer a Christian nation. And the reason for that is because you and I as children of God have forgot what Matthew chapter 9 says. The harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. I talked to a gentleman the other day at a church in Buffalo, New York, right outside of Buffalo, New York and they support over a hundred missionaries every month. They send out missions money to over a hundred missionaries. The last time I Talk to him, it seems like it was up to 150 missionaries that they support on a monthly basis. And this is what he said, he said, Brother Matthew, he said, I get a letter every month at least one of a missionary coming off the field. So then I began digging even further and I said, well, I wonder what churches are doing. And if the past year and a half hasn't done anything, it's made churches stop every, just about every bit of outreach they was doing. You don't want to knock on nobody's door because you're scared. They're scared. You don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to. You don't. Okay, do we wear a mask on visitation? Do we not wear a mask on visitation? What do we do? And what we've done in this last year is we've allowed the circumstances of our life to stop us from going. I'm ask the question this afternoon, will you go? I'm not asking you to go to a mission field. I'm asking you to go next door. I'm asking you will you go across the street. I'm asking you will you go across town. I'm asking you if you'll go to the cashier down at the, ga- or at the grocery store. The attendant down at the gas station. Will you go to them? There's six things that I want to just notice in this passage of Scripture and we'll be done. Verse number 35, we see the person that's doing all this. Verse number 35, the Bible says, "...and Jesus went about all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people." You said, Brother Matthew, Jesus was the one doing it. Yeah, but Jesus is our example. That's who we're trying to imitate, correct? So if we're going to imitate him, then guess what we must do? We must go. And if we're going to go, and here's the thing, we've got to the point now where we we have those that we like to talk to. We don't like talking to those that don't look like us, that don't smell like us. They don't talk like us. They don't dress like us. Well, hello, if they're us, then us is not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for going into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And here's the thing. We can try to reach the upper class all we want to, and I'm for reaching everybody. But let's be honest. The upper class thinks they've got it under control. But it's time for us as a church to say, you know what? We're going to go everywhere. Jesus said in verse, or in the Bible says in verse number 35, and Jesus went about all the cities. I remember whenever I was pastoring, they said, man, this area's a hard area, and it, it was a hard area. But you know what we still did, We still win. There may be parts here in town. I know there's some different parts in Augusta that, I don't know if I want to be there at night. I'm just being honest with you. I made the mistake of going to the Applebee's on, I think it's on Western Avenue last night at about 1130. And I'll be honest, I, left, I had left my weapon at the motel, and I texted my wife, I said, I wish I had my gun. Now, y'all don't fall out with me on that, okay? <laughs> it just was sketchy. You know that feeling you get like, oh, I don't need to be here. That's but here's the thing, we're still commanded to go to them. We see the person, but then not only that, we see the power that Jesus had. The Bible says He went into battle, all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. Now here's the thing. We don't have the gift of healing today. We know that from Scripture. But we have a gift. And we have the power to be able to give that gift to people by giving them the gospel. We say it's the best thing that ever happened to us, but for some reason, even though it's the best thing that ever happened to us, for some reason we don't tell a lot of people about it. I was convicted last night. A missionary friend of mine. He's going to. He's going to England, and he's uh, raising toward to be a missionary over in England. And he he made a comment. He on Facebook. He said something about. Uh, if you go on Marketplace and you find the ones that has a King James Bible for free, and you find the seller that's trying, to, that's trying to give that Bible away, and you go find their Facebook page, and you go look at it, and usually they're a member of the Latter-day Saints, and you go down through their page, and they're not talking about politics, they're not talking about Second Amendment rights, they're not talking about all the different things that we talk about. You know what their page is full of? God. The Bible. Now here's the thing. They're wrong on a lot of things. But when's the last time that you and I quit getting distracted by the world and the things of the world and got our eyes back on Him? Talking to me. When's the last time that we got off the fact of well, this is going on and that's going on. And here's the thing. I believe in knowing what's going on in the world. don't, Don't misunderstand me. But when did that become our main focus? You know what our main focus is supposed to be? This right here. Reaching people and telling people about Jesus. That's what our main focus is supposed to be. But we've got to the point that the government and, can I be honest, the devil's got us so distracted by the Second Amendment. He's got us so distracted by this COVID stuff and all this other stuff that's going on that we've forgotten what our focus is supposed to be on and it's supposed to be on this and it's supposed to be on Him. We say, oh, we trust Jesus, do we? I honestly, looking at my life... I think, do I really trust Him? So, Brother Matthew, you're a full-time minister. Of course you do. Do I really, though? How much do I focus on this stuff and not focus on Him? I ask you the same question. How much do you focus on everything else and not on Him? I'm not talking about being an ostrich and stick your head in the sand and think all the world's problems are going to go up. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe you ought to know what's going on in the world but when did we let that why in the world did we as God's people we have a thrice holy God who sits on a throne in heaven who the Bible says he daily maketh intercession for us as believers and yet we walk around and we're so weighted down by the problems of this world and we're so just consumed with everything that's going on around us and yet people are dying by the hundreds of thousands and dying and going to hell without God and here we are. Oh, we got to wave our flag for Second Amendment rights. your Brother Matthew, against the Second Amendment? No. And if you want to go shooting at church, we'll go. But when did that, when did our focus change? We talk, oh, we want to see the great revivals. We want to see how God worked in days gone by. And I'm glad God worked in days gone by, but newsflash, God can still work now. The difference in days gone by and today is the people in days gone by wasn't so weighted down by the cares of this world. They didn't have everything that we had. And because of that, they was able to focus more on God and they was able to give God the best years of their life and give God everything instead of having to have the latest and greatest. I was watching a commercial last night talking about the iPhone 12 Pro the that I don't have nothing wrong with the iPhone I have an iPhone mine cost me about 550 bucks and that's fine but when did we have to have the latest and the greatest nowadays you know Amazon when they first came out it was free shipping and then I think it went to three-day shipping and now it's two-day shipping and in some places you can get one-day shipping as long as you order by a certain time you know why because we've become so obsessed with things this past year there's a church out in Pennsylvania I think I may have mentioned it last time when I was here last month but there's a church in Pennsylvania they've never had a faith promise missions goal of close to a hundred thousand dollars in this this year they put a goal of ninety five thousand dollars and the preacher even told them, told Brother Chamberlain, he was preaching the mission Sunday, he said, i am be honest, he said, I don't know if we're going to get it. He said, but that's what I'm praying for. He said, we've never had over $100,000 coming in for missions before. And the preacher, whenever they took up the faith promise missions cards after Sunday morning service, it was over $120,000. Come back Sunday night and the people that wasn't able to be there on Sunday morning, that were, they were working in different children's ministries and various ministries throughout the church and wasn't able to put their cards in. Come back and now it's over $130,000. The preacher said, I don't understand this. And I told Brother Chamberlain, I said, this is what I believe it is. People finally realized, you know what, we don't have to go out to eat every day. We don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. I'll be honest I liked being able to go home we took three months off not because we wanted to because we had to churches canceling every, all, all over the place but here's the thing I enjoyed my three months there's a long I, I mean seriously by the time it was over with I was ready to go back to, I was ready to get back on the road man it allowed me to rest I got to eat home cooked meals praise God <laughs> that was a treat today sis seriously We eat out so much nowadays, it's pathetic. Used to be a treat, now it's a chore. But here's the thing we've got to the point that things have taken away the power. We've replaced God with programs, and I'm not against programs, but we've replaced God. Well, we know that this works. I was reading, and y'all don't fall out with me on this. I hope you don't. And if this guy's your favorite, we'll pray for you. But um, I was cleaning out my office this week. I say cleaning out. I was trying to organize my library and stuff, and somebody had given me six boxes of books. Well, in in one of those boxes of books was Rick Warren's book on the purpose-driven church. And like I said, if that's your favorite author, y'all don't fall out with me on what i have supposed to say, okay? But he said, in that book, he said, take a poll. And the kind of music that the people that are coming to your church wants, that's what you need to have. And I thought, I said, huh, well, wait, what? That ain't in this book. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, hey, you're supposed to conform to the desires of the people. However, in Scripture, I do find where it says, Be ye holy as I am holy. I do find in Scripture, it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Nowhere in there does it say, Conform to the desires of the people. But that's what we've done in exchange for a crowd. We see the person, we see the power. Can I move quickly? I told you we'd be out by three, I lied, sorry. Um, Number three. We see the pity that Jesus had. Look at verse number 36. The Bible says, but when he, talking about Jesus, saw the multitudes, what does it say? He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We see the person, we see the power. But then number three, we see the pity. You know what we've lost? We as the Church of the Living God, we've lost our tears. No longer do we cry for sinners. You know why back in the 60s and the 70s, and then maybe even into the 80s, you know why they had such power with God? Because they had tears. You know why they saw their family members get saved? You know why they saw their family members' lives get changed? You know why they saw the town drunk get saved? Because they carried a burden for him and they shed tears for him. It wasn't this, hey, y'all pray for my brother. Lord, bless this, bless this, bless sister so-and-so's brother. Pray that he had come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, no. It was hours upon hours spent alone in a secret place with God begging God to save people. When's the last time you shed a tear for your lost family member? i got a brother this evening that's lost and on his way to hell without God lives what the world calls an calls an alternate lifestyle but what God says is an abomination. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible said. When's the last time I shed tears for him? When's the last time I said, you know what, I'm not going to eat today. I'm going to skip a meal today. I'm going to skip my meals today. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to beg God, God, would you save him? When's the last time you did that? When's the last time I did that? You don't know what's going to cause Fellowship Baptist Church to grow? That. You know where the power is? It's not in the music. And I'm for good music. It's not in the fancy sound equipment and the live streaming equipment and all that. And I'm for all that. That's fine. It, it has its place. Do you know where the power is going to be at? Whenever you get some saints of God that's willing to get along with God, pay the price, say, God, would you send sinners in? They're going to get along with God on Saturday. And even before Saturday, on Monday, they're going to start praying for service on Wednesday night. And they're going to go ahead and start praying for service on Sunday. God, would you send sinners in? God, would you save somebody? God, would you save this one? God, would you save that one? Lord, I'm going to skip a meal today so that that way I, I can get along and I can pray with you. When's the last time that you and I wanted power like that? You know why we don't? we don't pity people we don't have compassion when's the last time that, that that person that really gets under your skin when's the last time you saw him as a sinner when's the last time that instead of seeing their sin you saw them He's moved with compassion Jude chapter 1 verse number 23 I believe it is he said in know some have compassion making a difference you know how we're going to make a difference in 2021 we have to have compassion and here's the thing you're going to have to love people right where they're at but Frank I can't, I can't bring somebody and force them in here do you know what I can do? I can love them think about my brother I can't make him come to church so what I can do? I can love him right where he's at doesn't mean I agree with his sin doesn't mean that I agree with his lifestyle but you know what it does mean? it means I'm going to love him like Jesus does He said, preacher how would Jesus love him? exactly like you did before you come out of the closet be okay the reason we're not going is because we don't have pity on people anymore don't mean pity like we think we think all oh, that poor soul no we think oh that's a sinner that Christ died for that's somebody that's going to die and go to hell if I don't tell them see the pity but then all of that we see the verse number 37 jesus said then saith he talking about jesus then saith he to to his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous we see the person we see the power we see the plenty or we see the pity but then number four we see the plenty you realize there are more people that are lost than are saved more people this afternoon are dying and going to hell than what will go to heaven when they leave this walk of life he said the harvest truly is plenteous you realize that when you walk out of this door when you leave this place this afternoon how many of y'all go to Duncan on a regular basis be honest my wife better raise her hand okay just making sure okay You realize that that cashier that rings your $5 coffee up, you realize that cashier is somebody that Christ died for? I know every one of us, at least some of us, not as often as what we do, but we go to the gas station at least once a week, right? We went to the gas station yesterday, we'll go again tomorrow. You realize that gas station attendant? somebody that christ died for i got you one better y'all ready you know that driver that cuts you off you realize that's somebody christ died for now that's hard to that's hard to remember when they've just cut you off ain't it i had somebody coming up behind me yesterday we come we got a late start getting up here we didn't get up here till about 10 o'clock last night and it was probably at nine i guess probably about 9 30 and i was coming up 95 out there and this guy got behind me right outside of Portland and I kid you not if he didn't have his brights on I mean I got some bright lights on the Suburban, we ain't in the Suburban, the suburban's back in the shop but anyways that's beside the point we're in the van and I got some bright lights on the Suburban but I think his lights was brighter than mine and my lights on the Suburban are 16,000 lumens you don't want me to get behind you okay I can't see to drive at night hardly. They gave me a prescription. I said, nah, I think I'll just get brighter headlights. <laughs> Y'all don't fall out with me, okay? I'm just kidding. I had the headlights before I got the prescription. But you know what? I had a hard time realizing, you know what? That's a center Christ died for. When's the last time we saw him like Jesus saw him? The fields are wide already. to harvest is what the Bible says. We see the plenty, but then go on to verse number 37, the last part. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We see a problem. You know, if you don't have enough people to do a job, it makes that job that much harder, if not impossible to do. You know, y'all's in here moving these chairs around during church, or during the break in between service. And, uh, you know, one person could do that. One person could have been in here and they could have got all of it done. But I don't know that we'd have started a service on time if one person had been doing it. But I looked around and I saw, I think it's four or five different people moving chairs here, yonder, and there. You know what? Many hands make light works, what I was always told. You know, if all of us, can I encourage you to do something? If all of us on the way out this afternoon, there's a track right back here on the left hand, my left, your right, as you're on your way out. If all of us picked up two tracks per day for this week, okay, so we're two times seven is what? 14, okay? So if all of us gave out two tracks every day this week, Even if there's 20 people in here I don't know that there's quite 20 But even if there's 20 people in here If 20 of us gave out two tracks Every day this week That's 280 people That had the opportunity to hear about Jesus This week Now I don't have the math know-how Some of y'all might be able to do it But if you did 280 times 4 That's that's over 1,000 In one month Over a thousand people had an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Why? Because 20 people said, you know what, I'm going to give out two tracks a day every day this week. Now you do that times 12. In one year's time, my my brain is departing right now, but in one year's time, I think it would be over 15,000 people that you'd be able to reach in one year time by giving out, by 20 people giving out two gospel tracts on a daily basis. So preacher, what are you driving at? The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We see the problem, but then can I give you the last thing and I'm done, number six. Verse number 38, the Bible says, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, he will send forth laborers into his harvest see a person we see the power, we see the pity we see the plenty, the problem in verse number 38 we see a prayer he said pray ye therefore because of the fact I had a teacher in school that he got up and every time he'd get up he'd, he'd He'd read a verse and he'd say, he'd see the word therefore. He said, now I was always told if you see a therefore, you stop and see what is therefore. Now it sounds simple and it sounds kind of silly, but you know what? If we stop and see what is therefore, he said, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest. Well, what is it therefore? What are we praying for? Because the harvest truly is plenteous, But the laborers are few. Now you might be here this afternoon and you might be saying, well preacher, I can't go do what you do. I can't go in the prisons I can't go in the public schools Richard I can barely go across the street but you know what you can do? You can pray remember and I may have told this last time I was here I can't remember it seems like I might have but when I, I preached at a nursing home every Sunday afternoon for two and a half years there's a little lady by the name of Kathleen Bohannon and she'd always she always wanted me to preach on hellfire and brimstone. That's what she, I mean. Every Sunday, that's what she wanted me to preach on. She said these nurses in here are wicked. They need to hear it. I mean, she didn't. She didn't cut no corners. I mean, she just blunt. And she said, "You need to preach on hellfire and brimstone." And I, every, about once a month, I'd preach on hell. I mean, just preach hard on hell. And after I get done, she said, "That's what they need in here." I remember going to her room right before she died. She was 84 years old when she passed. I remember going to her room about a month before she died and sat down in her room. And she she hadn't been to service in probably about six months. And she said, "Preacher, I hate I can't get out there." But she said, "Well, I, she said I can hear you all the way down the hall." And it was pretty fair piece. If y'all ain't figured out, I'm a loud preacher. I don't know if y'all figured that out yet or not. Uh, but I was even worse when I was younger if y'all think this is loud but uh, I'll put it this way when we go into a prison revival they put me in the lockdown unit we'll just put it that way but she said I can hear you down the hall and she said the whole time you're up there preaching she said I'm in here laying in this bed listening to you and praying God speak to somebody she said every day that she said there's not a day that goes by that I don't pray for you And she said, sometimes it's multiple times every day that I call your name out. She said, I've got a whole list of people that I've memorized over the years that I sit there and I I lay there in that bed and I pray for. She said, when I get done with the list, she said, sometimes I ain't got nothing else to do. She said, I'll just start all over again. She looked at me and this is what she said. She said, Brother Matthew, and she stuck that bony finger out there at me like that. She said, you're going to be on TV one day. And I said, Lord, I hope not. <laughs> so what? She said, God's got great things for you. There's no doubt in my mind that one of the reasons why that I'm where I'm at right now because of the prayers of Kathleen Bohannon. So said, Brother Matthew, I can't go. No, but you can pray. You might not be able to run up and down the roads like we get to you might not be able to go to a foreign field God had not told me to go to a foreign field and if I'm being honest I don't really want to go to a foreign field I like my air conditioning praise God from what I understand a lot of other countries don't have air conditioning I feel like New England don't have air conditioning sometimes somebody turned the heat on this past week I mean it was bad but you know what you might not be able to go everywhere I get to go. And these other missionaries that y'all support, I saw one back there that's an in, in India. I mean, I, I don't, I have, there's no part of me whatsoever that has any desire to go to India. None. I wouldn't mind going to Europe. I wouldn't mind seeing the Eiffel Tower and Leaning Tower of and I wouldn't mind doing all that. I wouldn't mind going to London and, seeing all the different, I, I wouldn't mind doing that I got to go to Fort McHenry down in Maryland the other day that was mind blowing I mean it was amazing but you know what you might not be able to go to all them places but you know what you can do you can pray I wrote this statement down somebody I, re- I can't remember where I heard it it might be original I doubt it but Socca's telling the brother over here, I'm not a good preacher, so this, this probably ain't mine, but I wrote this question down. What if you, what if you are the answer to somebody else's prayer? What if you are? You know, you go over to look at that woman with the alabaster box. <laughs> What'd Jesus say about her? She brought that alabaster box in there and she broke it. Anointed his feet. what Jesus say about her? Everybody got to complaining about it. And Jesus looked at him and said, she had done what she could. You know, if we stop and we really think about, you know, we'll, we'll make excuses a lot of times, won't we? So like, well, I just, I don't really want to go do that. And it ain't that we can't do that. It's that we don't want to do that. Is that right? And here's the thing: what if we just focus this week on doing what we can, instead of focusing on what we can't? I remember one of the things that they taught us. I worked when I worked for T-Mobile. They taught us that now, whenever you're having to tell a customer no, or you're having, they called it "owning a no." And for those of you that don't know what that means, that means that you're not giving the customer what they want because they don't deserve it. Or they don't, it's not what they're supposed to have. And they said, when you have to own a no, own a hard no like that, they said, I always do this. So well, we can't do, we're not gonna be able to do that today, but what we can do is focus on the can do. Ask you a question when's the last time you stopped focusing on what you can't do? Started focusing on what you can do. Preacher, I can't go do this. No, but what can you do? Preacher, I can't do this and I can't do that. But what can you do? Can I go ahead and tell you this afternoon? All of us can pray. Every last one of us. All of us can read this Bible. All of us can live a life that's pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop focusing on what you can't do. Start focusing on what you can do. Will you go? Will you go? And if you can't go, can I ask you a question? Will you give so that that way others can go? You know how every one of those missionaries back there on that back wall that y'all support, you know how they go every month? Because churches give. Give. You know how we get to do what we do? Because churches give. They say, you know what? We can't go, but you know what we can do? We can give. Out of all the churches that support us, only about 20 of them are here in New England. So that means that well over, I'd say well over two-thirds of the support that we have coming in, you know where it comes from? Somewhere other than New England. You know what they said? They said, we can't go to New England, but we can give. What can you do? And that's what you couldn't do. And that's what you can't do. That's what you can do. Will you go across the street, next door, the gas station, grocery store, across town, two tracks a week, or two tracks a day for a week? You did the math on that. What was it? I saw you over doing the math on it. I thought she was gonna holler it out at me. What is it? So fourteen times fourteen thousand five hundred sixty. So two tracks, seven days, fifty-two weeks, almost fifteen thousand people had an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Why? Because instead of focusing on what we can't do, we focus on what we can't do. Heavenly Fathers, we'll come to your presence today. I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity you give me to stand and to preach your word. Lord, I feel like I've done and said everything that you wanted me to say and do. Lord I pray that you bless now as the brother comes the invitational hymn. Lord I pray that you'd help us to do business with you this evening Lord help us not to leave here the same way we came in Lord help us to leave here being challenged by the word of God and changed by the spirit of God Lord help us to stop focusing on what we can't do Lord help us to focus on what we can do the honor and the glory of God. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.